Well, good morning. It's good to worship with you. If you're new here, my name is Fred. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, welcome. Thanks for coming and checking out Redemption. And it's good to have you worshiping with us. Uh, do hope you'll take a moment and fill out the Connect card in front of you. If you're new, when we take up the offering later on, you can just drop that right in the offering. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5 today. While you're turning there, uh, just a couple of quick announcements. We still have some scholarships available for our young adult retreat that's happening at the beginning of September. And so if you're a young adult and would like to come but need some help uh, with uh, financing that, please let us know. We'd love to help you with that. Also, this Friday is our youth lock-in. So if you are a student or have a student in 7th through 12th grade, uh, please uh, consider coming out Friday night and joining the youth for the lock-in. All right, with that, let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we Love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Would you pray with me as we consider this text together today? Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your word We're so grateful that you have revealed yourself and made yourself known through your word. Thank you that this sacred text has been preserved throughout human history so that we today, here in 2023 in Lower Borough, Pennsylvania, might hear and believe and might know the God who created us. God, would you open our eyes, open our hearts and our minds today to see the truth, to receive it into our lives and and to put it into practice As we leave this place, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. There's some repeating themes through the book of 1 John, and as we kind of get close to the end here, we've got just a couple more weeks in in this book before we move on. I, I wanted to just kind of step back and look at those three themes together. There's there's a threefold test that unfolds throughout the book of 1 John. And, and, and John continually comes back to these same three areas. And so I wanna approach this as um, kind of a guidebook for how we are to grow as Christians. So you'll see on the handout, the first thing that it says at the very top, on the, well, on the back of the handout, it says, growing Christians grow in three areas, head, heart, and hands. Other times we looked at this threefold test and we said there's a theological test. That would be the head test. There is, there is a test in, in regards of our love for God. That would be the heart test. And then the test of whether or not we are going to obey. We're going to do the things that we have been commanded, the hands test. That really provides a, a pretty good guide for us as Christians as to the areas that we need to grow in. I called this one today three-dimensional faith because these are the three dimensions that we need to consider as we seek to grow as followers of Christ. There's these three areas that we want to tend to, that we want to, to excel in and, and, and pour into so that we can grow to become mature Christians. So let's talk about them in order. First, the head. 
Number one on the handout says head. This is knowledge. Our, what, to, grow, to grow in this dimension of the Christian faith, we need information. We, and listen, when we look at these three areas, probably everybody in here is gonna say one or maybe two of these areas comes more naturally to me than others. Some people love information. Some people love to learn. Some people are always on the search for new knowledge. Other people are more doers. They're, they're not so concerned about new information. They just, they wanna get their hands on something. They wanna participate. They wanna be active. Other people are, are feelers. They're more in tune with the emotional side of life. And that's good. God has wired all of us differently. And so it's, it's good to be strong in one, maybe two of these areas, but there's probably gonna be at least one of these areas where you're like, that, that doesn't really come naturally to me. And I think for a lot of people, this is the one. A lot of people, uh, after you get out of school, you're like, that's it, I'm done learning things. I don't wanna know anymore. I know enough. I don't wanna read books. I don't wanna listen to lectures. That's it. We're good. But it, to the believer, knowledge is a doorway to growth. The more, the more that we, we learn about Christ, and listen, there's no more interesting topic than Jesus Christ himself. Amen. See, I, 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 I kind of I like this area. I'm, I'm, um, often my knowledge is, is far out ahead of my actual action. That's, a, that's something that I have to deal with. I, I know more than I apply, and, and that's a, a scary thing because you're accountable for that. I would love to just sit around and talk about things, in other words, rather than do them. And there are a lot of interesting topics out there. Uh, I like history. I like politics. I like all kinds of things, sports, gardening. <laughs> I could learn about any one of those things and be really happy and really satisfied. But listen, there is no more interesting, there is no more life-giving topic than Jesus Christ. And that means that the Bible, and that means that all of, all of Christianity is really the most intriguing topic that you could ever pursue knowledge of. Of all of the interesting things that have happened in history, of all of the interesting things that might be going on in the world, of all of the subjects that you might find interesting, none of them really compares with knowing more about Jesus Christ. The more you know about him, the more you love him, the more you enjoy him, the more you want to obey him and be like him. And we could never get to the end of knowledge of Christ. There's always more to learn. There's always more to dig into. And so knowledge is essential. Knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of the gospel, knowledge of, of who he is and what he is doing, it's essential. It's essential in at least two ways. First of all, you'll see this on the handout, knowledge is essential to salvation. When I say it's essential to salvation, I mean salvation cannot exist apart from the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his work in saving our souls. Salvation cannot exist outside of knowledge of the gospel. 
Paul says this in Romans 10, verse 13 through 15. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? You see how Paul works the whole way back to If we look at this in reverse, they must be sent so that they can preach, so that others can hear, and so that they hear so that they can believe, so that they can call on him and be saved. In this way, knowledge of the gospel is essential for salvation. In order for people to believe in Jesus, they must hear about him. They must hear what he has done. That's why half of our mission statement is we want to declare God's plan of redemption. The other half is that we want to demonstrate God's plan of redemption in Jesus. But that declaration piece is essential because without hearing the gospel, people cannot believe. And without believing, they cannot call on him. And without calling on him, they cannot be saved. That's how essential knowledge of the gospel is. But so often, Christians are content to to stop right there. Okay, I've heard the gospel. I know that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And that's more or less the extent of how far they grow in this area of knowledge. They might live the rest, you might get saved at a young age and live the rest of your life with very little knowledge of the Bible and of the gospel beyond Jesus died for my sins. Now, that's a really important point to grasp. But we should not be content to stop there. Kim and I have been married this year. It'll be 19 years. And if you came up to me and said, tell me something about your wife, Kim. And I said, well, she's got dark hair. Well, tell me something else about her. That's about all I know. Why are you laughing? (laughs) We do the same thing with Jesus. Tell me something about Jesus. He died for my sins. And and listen, that's not a bad first response because that's like a really important part of who he is and what he has done. But if all you know about Jesus and the gospel is that, you have not grown into a mature faith. You have not grown properly as a believer in Christ. And we know that to stunt physical growth, when when, when physical growth is stunted in human beings, when babies are born and they don't add weight or they don't grow in length, people panic. We We get very concerned. And the longer that goes on, the more concerned we get and the more intervention there is. However, unfortunately in the church, You can come in and you can be born again and remain a spiritual infant and nobody will really do anything about it. That's because in most part, this is really up to you. We can't force you to grow. We can't force you to mature. We can provide opportunity. We can give you the tools. We We can facilitate your growth, but we can't make you grow. You need to take this upon yourself because knowledge is not only essential for salvation. The next thing you see on the handout is that knowledge is essential for growth. Let 
we need knowledge in order to be saved. We need knowledge of the gospel. But we also need knowledge in order to grow. We have to gain more information. We need to use our heads and we need to, to grow through the attaining of more information. This is what Paul says in Colossians 1. Let's look at it together. Colossians 1, verse 9. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking, listen to what he's, he's praying for. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Do you see how knowledge precedes spiritual growth? He says, we pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy, so that you may grow, so that you may mature, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing, there it is again, in the knowledge of God. Did you know that you are supposed to grow in the knowledge of God some people say, well, I, I just, you know, I don't need theology. I don't need doctrine. I, I just believe in Jesus and I follow him. Let me tell you something. That is theology. That is doctrine. It's not good theology. It's not good doctrine. But you, you are a theologian. A theologian uh, forms thoughts about God. You have thoughts about him. The question is, are they accurate? The question is, are they healthy? The question is, are they motivating? You believe something about God. You believe just as much about God as I do. The question is, are you believing the right things? That's where knowledge becomes essential to growth. We need to study his word. We, we need to reflect on what we study. We, it's good, I think, and very helpful to surround ourselves with those who are gifted to teach the word and to explain the word and help us to grow as interpreters of the Bible so that we can grow into maturity. Maturity results in what Paul said in Colossians 1 there, being fully pleasing to him. That's the goal. The goal is to live a life that pleases God. The goal is to live a life that, that reflects who he created me to be. In order to do this, we need knowledge. How do we get, how do we get this kind of knowledge? First and foremost, we get it from the scriptures. Many of you have committed to the 365 Bible reading plan this year where we began in January and we're, we've been reading through the Bible and we're, we're like halfway there now, guys. This is July now. We've crossed over that halfway point. And if you're on track, you're halfway there. If you're behind, that's okay. As long as you're reading, as long as you're pressing forward, as long as you're doing something. Maybe it takes you two years to read through the Bible. That's, wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? If you read through the Bible in two years, that would be fantastic. Some of you are ahead, overachievers. <laughs> Wherever you're at, the, the goal is to keep growing. The goal is to keep growing in Christ and to, to become more familiar with his word, to let his word get into our lives, let it become a part of our day. That's the beauty of reading through the Bible in a year is you can't go, you can't skip too many days before you're gonna get really far behind. And so it becomes a part of our routine. It becomes a part of our lives. That's how we grow in knowledge. That's how we grow in the head dimension. And then by being with other believers, 
working these things out in the community of faith. You, no one person is, is going to accurately understand everything that God wants us to know about him. You're gonna have, you're gonna have misconceptions and you're gonna have bad thoughts that the community of Christ is meant to work out. We need to study God together. We need to do this in community. And so that's how we grow in the knowledge of God. But that's not the only area that we need to grow. Remember, there's three of them. Number two is our heart, the dimension of our hearts. I'm calling this affections. I like the word affections that may or may not work well for you. Uh, I like Jonathan Edwards' use of affections. And so uh, the heart dimension is the things that we love. It's our desires. It's the, the, the heart part is, is the thing that bonds with either things of this world or things, the things of God. It's another area where we need to grow. This is where this is, where this is stated in 1 John, the second half of verse one. It says, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. The spiritual, the spiritual walk with Christ is not just about knowing the right things, it's about loving the right things. And in this case, loving the right people. To love God the Father and God the Son. Verse two says, this is how we know that we love God's children. So not only are we supposed to love God, we are supposed to love other believers in Christ when we love God and obey his commands. Spiritual growth, one of the, one of the battlefields of spiritual growth is our heart. What are you going to love? Or who are you going to love? To grow as a Christian, you need to grow in your love for God. You need to grow in your love for God's people. You need to grow in your love. The Bible tells us elsewhere, we need to grow in our love for the lost. God, God loved the world in this way. He sent his one and only son. That's, that's part of following him is to love what he loves. This is how we say it on the handout. Spiritual growth involves loving the things of the world less and loving the things of God more. How do I know if I'm growing spiritually in the heart dimension? Well, do I love the things of this world less and do I love the things of God more? Am I more concerned with getting up and going to church than with doing something else on my Sundays? Am I more concerned about being with other believers? Am I more concerned or am I more interested in reading the Bible and spending time with God? As you grow, as you grow in the love of those things, you'll, you'll notice you're growing spiritually because as you grow in your love for the things of God, you grow, you grow less in love with the things of this world. The things of this world, we're told again and again, are passing away. They're, they're fading. The things of God are the things that will last forever. For most of us, just a few more decades, and we will enter into eternity. And when, once we cross that line into eternity, the things that, so, that we've spent so much of our lives loving here on earth will no longer be a part of our lives 
But the things that will be a part of our life forever is our relationship with God, our relationship with his children, our relationship with the things of his kingdom. And so as we grow spiritually, we're, the goal is to grow more and more in love with the things that are gonna be a part of our lives forever and less in love with the things that are soon fading away. John has already addressed this earlier in his letter. If we go back to chapter two of 1 John, verse 15, you might remember this passage. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, let me just pause there. Remember, if you remember when we talked about this passage, there's different uses of the word world uh, in scripture. This is not referring to physical creation. This is not saying, don't, don't love creation. Don't, don't, don't love the sunsets and don't love the beach. You know, that's not what we're talking about here. The things of the world in this context is this system that is running the world that is, is uh, influencing people to rebel against God. Everything in the world, verse 16 says, the lust of the flesh, this is, this is the description of the world in this passage, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is what? Passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. In this life, there are things that are passing away and there are things that are going to remain forever. You are one of the things that's going to remain forever. And so invest your life, invest your heart, your, inf your affections in the things that, that will exist forever that are part of God's kingdom because all of these other things described here as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possession, the things of the world, they're passing away. They'll soon be gone. Everything we build on this earth that is not part of God's kingdom is just a sandcastle that we're building at low tide. One day the tide's gonna come in and you'll never even know it was there. It'll be completely gone. So spiritual growth, spiritual maturity looks like loving those things less so that we can love the things of God more so that we can love the things that are going to last for eternity. This has been, honestly, one of the joys of, of walking with Christ now for about 25 years. One of the joys is I'm, I'm kind of getting more and more to this point, point in life where I'm like, you know, there's just not really a lot of things in this world that, that I desire. There's not a lot of things in this. I don't need a new car I don't need a, a bigger house. What I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna be a part of making disciples. I wanna be a part of building the church. My, my heart is to, to see church planners rise up from Redemption Church and go out and change people's lives with the gospel because that is what has eternal significance. Hopefully by God's grace, the next 25 years we'll see even more growth away from loving the world and towards loving the things of God. Do you see that kind of growth happening in your life? If not, what would it take to get there?
A lot of it goes back to, a lot of it goes back to the first point. A lot of it is information. A lot of it is just taking this information, take, take these scripture verses we're looking at today about the things of the world passing away and the things of God lasting forever and just allow that to, to, to be a part of your life this week. Write it down, put it on your phone, set a reminder to stop and read that passage again and remind yourself as you go about your week, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I've just spent the last 24 hours obsessing over things that are passing away and turn your heart to the things of God. Scripture tells us to guard our hearts. The world tells us to follow our hearts. There is no more direct path to self-destruction than to follow your heart. We need to guard our hearts we need, to, we need to instruct our hearts. We need to guide our hearts towards the things of God and away from the things of this world. The third area of spiritual growth that we need to tend to is our hands. And what I mean by this is obedience. What are we gonna do? If our, if our head is where we think and if our heart is where we love from, our hands represent what we do. How do we live? What do we actually do with ourselves? What do we do with our bodies? What do we do with, with our lives? This is the, 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 comes back to the need for obedience. Verse three says, for this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Think about that. If, if I were to say to you, how do you know somebody loves God? You might, you might be tempted to say, well, I see them in church every Sunday. I see them lifting their hands every Sunday. I hear them amening when, when the preachers are preaching. But do they live? Do they live a life of obedience? What, the, the biblical test of whether or not we love God is whether or not we keep his commands. And I love what John says next. He says, and his commands are not a burden. John says all of these things that you're like, that's the opposite of what I thought. <laughs> and, then, and then you go, so what's wrong with what I'm thinking? Why am I viewing God's commands as a burden? Why am I viewing God's commands as something that I've got to muscle up all this strength and all of this willpower and I've got to work so hard to get these things done instead of, going, no, this is who I am created to be. This is what I'm created to do. Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know what a yoke is? It's an apparatus used to, to link two farm animals together, typically like oxen or something, so that you can multiply their strength by keeping them together with one another. Jesus says, you know, yoke yourself to me and that's easy. We don't always think of it that way. We think, man, I'm, I'm falling behind, I'm failing, I'm not getting this done. Instead of learning to just walk in step with the spirit of God within us, say, in this moment, I just wanna be who God created me to be. I wanna do what God created me to do. And stop thinking of your spiritual life as this massive checklist that you have to get everything done every day and just say, no, right now, what does it look like to follow Christ? It's probably a lot easier than you're thinking. 
That's John's contention, anyhow. He says, his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. If you have been born of God, you have within you the power of the Holy Spirit which enables you to conquer this world. Is it possible we've just made it too difficult? This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. So what does that mean for obedience? It means that our, our faith propels our obedience. Our faith is, is one of the things that propels us to keep his commands. Faith says, I want to do this, but I know that God would want me to do this. And faith says, it's okay, so I'm gonna do that. Because I believe that he's greater. I believe that, that his commands give life I believe that his rewards far exceed the rewards of living for this world. Under hands and obedience, you'll see uh, this, this statement on the handout. Knowledge and love must lead to action. Knowledge and love must lead us to action. To gather together weekly into to sing our praises and to have our heads filled with more knowledge. That, that, is, that is growing us in two of these three dimensions. We're growing in our love, we're growing in our affections because worship does that. Worship causes you to, to love God more. We're growing in knowledge because we open the scriptures together. But that's only two-thirds of the way there. If you don't leave here today and act upon the love that is, that is welling up within you for God and for other people, if you don't leave here today and act upon the knowledge that has has been transferred to you through the teaching of the scriptures, then you have failed to obey God fully. Jesus says this much in John 14. He says, listen, Jesus is about to go to the cross. These are some of his parting words to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If we jump down to verse 21, he says, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, this poor guy, there's two Judases that follow Jesus around. And this Judas is like, every time you mention me, make sure you say, not Iscariot, because Judas Iscariot is the one who betrayed Jesus. So verse 22 says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home within him. You see, to this point, they had known, they had known Jesus's, Jesus revealed himself by coming in the flesh and being a man. And in in that sense, it would be very hard for Jesus to continue revealing himself to some people but not to others because other people are going to see him, right? But Jesus knows that physically he's going away. 
but that spiritually he's, he's, he's going to now live in, he's going to dwell in those who love him and keep his commands. That's why he says, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so in this sense, people are, more and more people are going to know Jesus, but some people still won't know him. The one, verse 24, the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. Jesus' emphasis on action forbids that we reduce the Christian life down to just what we're doing right now. Listen, I think this is the most important part of the week. I, th- I think believers gathering together as one to lift our voices in worship to God, unified by the Spirit of God, to come and to sit under the Word of God so that we can obey the commands of God. I think this is the most important thing that we do every week. I really do. And that's not just because I get to stand up here and talk the whole time. If it was somebody else up here, and when it is somebody else, just like next week, Pastor Greg will be up here, when it is somebody else, I still think it's the most important time of the week. But if we reduce what it means to follow Christ down to this, Jesus is gonna be very upset with us. This is not what he came for. He did not come so that you could sit here and listen to me ramble on for 45 minutes or so, stand up, sing a couple more songs, and then just go live the rest of the week like none of this happened. That's not why he came. He came that you might grow, that you might grow in knowledge so that you could grow in love for the things of God so that you can live your life keeping his commands. He came so that you might be transformed. And transformation must affect the way you live the rest of the week. It must affect the way you go to 4th of July celebrations, the way you spend your time outside of work or with your family or with your friends, the the way you live while you're at work. All of those things now become the playing field for living out, for obeying, for keeping his commands. That becomes the playing field for living the life that is propelled by this knowledge which has created affections and now results in action. For those of you who are doers, for those of you who are not interested in sitting around and reading another book or listening to another sermon, this should be good news. This should be good news. But listen, your, your doing, your activity, your action must be informed by the right thoughts, the right knowledge about God, and it must be motivated by love for the right things. We all know people who are very active in doing a lot of things, but they're doing them with a bad heart or with impure motives or the wrong desires. You, you probably all have somebody in your life who you know, if you called them, they'd come over this afternoon and they'd help you get a project done. 
but you don't want them to because you know what that means. You know what I'm talking about? The people who are like, I, I, I'll never hear the end of it. They'll help me do it, but their heart won't be in the right place. They'll help me do it, but they'll make me feel stupid in the meantime, or they'll make me feel, feel inferior, or they'll, they'll use that later against me. Doing, it, you can't just skip to the doing. You have to have the right knowledge and the right affections, and now, now our obedience is fueled by the right things. But if we stop with knowledge and love, we have failed to, to complete our growth in Christ. We must be, this is what James said, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. To be a hearer only is to deceive yourself, James said. It's to deceive yourself at least on one level because you think that in hearing the word of God, you've completed the Christian life. We must live it out. How do we do that? Well, we make, we make the kingdom of God the first priority in our life. We, we order our week. We make decisions about how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to spend our resources. We, we make decisions about how we're going to live our lives according to the priorities of God's kingdom. That should influence decisions about youth sports. That should influence decisions about... Um, how we're gonna spend our evenings after work that should influence decisions about where we're going to live and who we're going to surround ourselves with and how we spend our money and the things that we prioritize in our lives because we want to be free to obey. We want to be free to obey the commands because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And if, he had, if Jesus would have said, if you love me, you'll go to church three out of four Sundays every month. If you love me, you'll give a little bit of money when the offering comes around. If you love me, if you really love me, you might lift up, lift up your hands when, when you're singing in worship together. But he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. You'll do what I said to do. So let me just ask one question. And it's a very broad question. And I did that intentionally because it's important that you work out how to apply this sermon I don't wanna tell you how to do it. I can tell you how I do it, um, but I want you to work out how you're gonna apply this. The question is, what's your plan for growing as a follower of Christ? I've given you three dimensions to think about. How am I gonna, how am I gonna grow in knowledge? How am I gonna grow in my love for the Lord? How am I gonna grow in the things of the Lord? And ultimately, how am I gonna grow in obedience? For some of you, you've been busy. You've been doing a lot but perhaps your doing hasn't been motivated by love and knowledge of God. And you need to go back and you need to say, you know what, I'm gonna commit to this Bible reading plan or I'm gonna pick up this Christian book or, or you need to do something to grow in knowledge. For some, some of you, you, you have the knowledge, you just don't act on it a lot. You just don't do a lot with it. You love, like me, you love to learn new things. You just don't prioritize putting those into action. You know you better than anybody else in this room. What's your plan for growing as a follower of Christ? We must grow. We can't stay where we're at. 
We're not there. We're not done. We must have a plan for growing in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, as we consider your word and what it means to be a complete Christian, what it means to, to love you with proper, a proper understanding of who you are and a deeper understanding of who you are. God, we all laughed when, when, when I pretended to not know anything about my wife of 19 years other than the color of her hair, yet it's not so funny when our knowledge of you has gone no deeper than Christ died on the cross for my sins. So help us to take seriously this command to grow. Help us to align our affections with the things of God and not the things of this world. And help us, by your grace, <clears throat> to leave this place and do. To live the Christian life. To obey your commands. And may we not make it more than it is. May we not make it this impossible list of tasks that need completed. But may we learn just to live each day and each moment doing what you would have us do. We ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen.